Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to welcome you to the Kelly family and let you know that this show exists to help you grow, your team grow, your organization grow, and to just be a resource for you as you work through this leadership journey. And what better time to start listening than now? We are wrapping up a four-part series all about coaching. So if this is your first time listening, go on back to episodes one through three. That way, we're going to bring it all together with this episode all about the coaching process. But before we get to that, I just want to make a really awesome announcement. We are going to do a live webinar. April 15th at 4 p.m. Be sure to check out the Kelly social media for uh, any updates and all the links that you need uh, for this special episode. Here, you'll have an opportunity to submit your questions live to our guests, Ray Luther and Eric Johnson, and where we can answer your questions in real time. Anything that you're wrestling with as an organizational leader, anything that you want to work on in the coaching sphere, it doesn't even have to be specifically to coaching. It could be leadership in general. This is going to be the place for you to come in and ask those tough questions you're wrestling with. In the meantime, if you can't make that date or you just want to get uh, you know, ahead of the game, send us your questions to us here at the show at ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-E-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Again, April 15th, 4 p.m. Check our social media handles to get all the details. Last week, we were working about the coaching relationship, what it looks like, how to build. And now we're going to bring everything home. This is where coach, coachy relationship all come together. We have all these tips. We have the philosophy. We have all this wealth of knowledge. But now what? What do we do? How do we build the framework and build the process to to create successful coaching relationship and, and everything within our organization. So I'm honored again to be joined by the Kelly School of Leadership coaches, Eric Johnson and Ray Luther. Guys, welcome back. And I'm I'm kind of, it's bittersweet. Like I'm excited that we get to wrap it up, but I'm sad because I really enjoy these conversations with you guys. Well, it's great to be here as always, Matt. And you know, like we've talked about, you know, if you want to have future conversations about video games and leadership and whatnot, like we'll be happy to keep coming back because we love being here too. So let's bring this home. You know, we we are wrapping up this series and this focus is just on the process, kind of like, all right, the blueprint, let's get this put on paper, let's let's work this out so we can have a a start to finish idea of what this is going to look like in our organizations. I think this is a, a really important point to make, Matt. You know, as as we talked about in episode one, we talked about the tools to be an effective coach. In episode two, we talked about the responsibilities to be an effective coach E. Um, last week, we talked about the existence of a relationship. Um, but you can have all three of those things and still not have effective coaching conversations if you don't take the time to distinguish what makes a coaching conversation different than some of the other conversations you have, right? Uh, we all have multiple relationships in our life. Um, so if you think about ships, about the conversations, they tend to be very fluid. They tend to be very informal. There's a lot of give and take. And, and honestly, there's a lot of listening to speak versus listening to understand. Um, 
and the value. It, we don't define in advance who's getting value out of this, things like that. Um, as a leader, you know, we often find ourselves in conversations where we're trying to relay information to our team, and that tends to be a one-directional tell. We tend to give people feedback, which also tends to be a bit of a one-directional tell. But then there's coaching, and coaching really is a process. It looks and it feels different than other conversations that we have. And I think over the course of this episode, we'd like to break down, you know, the what of a structure of a coaching conversation, and then the how, like what are some intrinsic tools you might use as a coach and a coachee in order to create this conversation. But it's, it's definitely not something that happens willy-nilly. Um, it's not something you would typically describe frequently as being informal. Um, not that it needs to be overly formal, um, but there's a structure and a process and a series of tools that make it effective. And I think we really want to break that down and use that to distinguish from other types of conversations. You know, Ray, one thing that you said when we wrapped up last week's episode was the idea that if you have a coach and a coachee and a strong relationship built, well, you just have a nice conversation. You know, if those are the, just the three principles that you're operating in, it's, that's it. It's a great relationship and it's a nice conversation. So how do we take that process to the next step? What are some of the first steps we begin to actually move this into a, you know, a process and, and have some structure to it where we get the outcomes we're seeking? What I would say is we have to shift our metaphor of what a coach is, and, and that really helps to establish what's a, what's a developmental coaching foundation that all if all else fails, if I can remember the foundational level of what I'm trying to do in developmental coaching, I just come back there, right? And so metaphorically, we often think of like an athletic coach, as we've talked about, as a, as a way to go, and the coach has the whistle, and they're going to tell you where it's right and wrong. That's not what we're going for here. The foundation we really believe in is coaches ask questions. So that's a major tool of coaching. And we'll talk about that within the process and the how. So questioning is a big pillar of the foundation. Coaches then listen, right? And so as I ask questions, I listen with intent. And to Eric's point, I'm not listening to respond. I'm listening for what am I hearing? How am I uh, able to relate this to what the person's goals and objectives are, et cetera. And coaches have presence, right? They're there in the relationship. They're not sitting there on their phone or distracted with the 15 other things they need to do. So if I can, if I have this trifecta, three corners of a stool, I ask questions, I listen, and I have a presence, well, that's going to be a foundation of a great relationship. And all three of those things that we think at the top of the stool is, is fueled by a sense of curiosity, Right. So curiosity for the client, not for me, but curiosity for the client. So what work do I want the questions to do for the client? What do I want them to explore? What do I need to listen for and be curious about as I think about the client's goals and objectives? And how do I need to show up? How can I enable the client to feel like, you know, this is a high quality relationship. They can trust me. I'm engaged with them, et cetera. That's my presence. That foundation trumps any of the models or the scaffolding we'll talk about here in the future. And if you can keep that in mind, that really sets up a coaching conversation, right? So if I forget everything else, if I can go back to, yeah, what, what work do I want my questions to do? That's great. I want to get my client to think about the choices they're making. Super. I can come up with a question that does that. I can then listen to them and I can be curious about their response versus what they've told me before. And then my presence may actually be calling them on some disconnect that I hear versus what they say they want to do. Hey, I hear you want to be bold, but what I've heard in the example you just shared is you kind of backed off of an opportunity to be bold. What do you think's behind that? 
Okay, now we're getting somewhere in terms of developmental coaching and helping that person recognize it in a trusted environment. So let's get into that scaffolding. You know, we talked about we're, we're now we're going to build. We're, we're going to take this to the next level. So, uh, you know, where where are we beginning? What does it look like? What are some tools, some tips? You know, how does this uh, start coming together um, to, in, in, in real time? Yeah. So uh, two tools that I would I would implement as we get started. I think the first is um, what we actually call designing an alliance. Um, and that's really important. It, it, it's a contractual agreement, so to speak, between a coach and a coachee or coach and a client where we kind of set up the expectations and the rule for what relationship is going to look like. I think this is incredibly important, even in a direct report relationship. Um, this isn't just something that executive coaches use with paid clients. Um, whether or not you choose to write it down or document it in some way, I think is up to you and your organizational culture. But to actually sit down and say, Ray, as your coach, uh, use, let's talk a little bit about what you can expect of me, what I expect of you. I want to actually talk to you about what coaching means <laughs> and what when I'm coaching and when I'm not. Because the interesting thing about a lot of business leaders is if they bring a coaching mindset to work, their clients might be experiencing something very different. And they might be wondering like, shit, every other boss I've ever gone to, I ask a question, I get an answer. I ask Ray a question and I get a question. What's going on here? Like you can't just impose this on people. You need to have a conversation. We call that designing an alliance. Uh, it's where you overtly say, this is what a coaching conversation is. This is what a coaching relationship is. Can we enter into this with a mutual sense of agreement? The second thing I recommend is to use what we call a scaffolding or a structure. There are a lot of them out there. There's a structure called the GROW model, which is fairly popular. Um, one that Ray and I curate is what we call the five C's. And the five C's each represent a different stage of a coaching conversation. What we've noticed is that the default tendency for a lot of leaders and a lot of inexperienced coaches is to try to understand the problem and jump directly to the solution. And sometimes even offer one is disguised, right? like it's a question with really an answer, like a question, like, Matt, what are you trying to accomplish here? Great. Have you ever thought about trying this? Like, that's not a, that's not really a question, right? But that's our natural tendency. Get the problem, offer solutions. What the five C's are um, is actually a process to allow the client to do some of the work. And we can break these down if we need to, but there's a check-in phase where we follow up on issues from last time. Um, there's a current state phase where we really get a sense of like, what's the issue very specifically that we're trying to get at today. There's what we call choices and consequences, which is taking the time to evaluate all of the options and what might happen, the good and the bad, if we implement these. There's a commitment phase where we make a choice. The client makes a choice about what they want to do going forward. And then there's a checkout where we, we, did you get value? How can I follow up with you? How can I help you? What do you expect of me? Um, and that allows us to jump from current state to choices or current state to solutions, uh, move forward. It, it, it'll, the process allows the work to take place. And if you combine that process with uh, the tools that Ray highlighted early, man, you can have a really, really productive conversation. And I can tell you, even in as, as small as two to five minutes, like it, this doesn't have to be a half hour conversation. 
let's let's unpack these five C's because I think this becomes the meat of, you know, how it all comes together. And I think it's extremely important to not just have all these great ideas and great um, tools at our disposal, but, you know, how do we use them? You know, how do we build them and, and stitch them together? So, you know, the check-in, what, what goes into the check-in phase? How does it, how does it become important as we start off? Yeah, the, the check-in phase is, that, you know, it is establishing that there is a relationship here is really the point of it, right? So we, we want to, we don't want to just jump into what the problem is or what the issue they want to take. So how are you doing? What's going on? Hey, last time we met, we talked about these things. Let's do some follow up. But it's really kind of warming up the conversation. And also what we might find in the check-in phase and one of the most important pieces is maybe what you think you have to talk about as a manager isn't what that person thinks they need to share right now. That person may have come in from a bad meeting or something else, and they, they aren't going to be engaged in the same topic. So checking in to say, you know, hey, I, I had a schedule to talk about, you know, this, this issue on this project. Is there anything you need to clear right now or anything else that, that you want to talk about? And, and that oftentimes you find people that go, yeah, actually, this issue came up, especially when there's a high level of trust. Right. And that's important because we've all been in meetings where we've probably been the coachee or the, the person presenting to our boss. And we're not really there because something else, you know, more urgent, more important, more immediate came up to talk about. And so that's a that's a it's a really important phase when we think about I'll, I'll go ahead into the current state as well, because they're related. When we go into something like the current state, what a lot of um, I would say inexperienced coaches or well-intentioned coaches with the wrong metaphor, I might say. They think the current state there is there to educate them about how they need to respond and give a solution. So if I talk about it and you get all these things, I'm going to listen and I'm going to think about 10 years ago when I faced the same problem, walking uphill both ways in the snow with no shoes and everything else that went wrong, and I'm going to give them that solution. And the reality is that's not why I'm checking in on the current state. What I'm doing with the current state is I'm really being curious for that person. I'm getting them talking about the issue. I might approach it from multiple angles. I'm not trying to analyze to solve their problem. I'm not trying to come up with a solution. I'm just getting the conversation going to say, what is the real issue? Who, who's involved? You know, what are the what are some of the things that you might be concerned about as we as we think about this issue, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really getting them kind of going on that conversation. It's not a long period of time, but it's something to say, let's let's get some of the data out on this issue that we face. You know, before moving into that choices and consequences and unpacking that, you know, this this is a quote unquote formal process, you know, because we're you're kind of setting the stages and what we need to go through. But does this need to be like a formal conversation when when we're in interacting with with our team members or is this kind of can happen as just as a, you know, hey, in passing? It's an informal structure that is really there for the the coach to self-manage uh, is the way I would say this. I think. Um, there's this um, kind of natural, again, I want to go back. There's sort of this natural tendency to identify the problem and try to rush to a solution as fast as possible. And I think the purpose of having a structure is as a reminder to the coach to, to take the time to linger on what the client is saying or what my direct report is saying. And, and the other thing here in the current state in particular is to make sure we're crystal clear on what the issue is that needs to be solved um, and whether or not the client really is needs to solve it, right? Sometimes we might sit down, Ray, what's on your mind? Ray might just 
unload. He might vent. And I, a great current state question is, Ray, do you want to talk more about that? And like, no, I just need to get that off my chest. What I really want to talk to you about is this. And I think as a, as a leader, sometimes when someone vents, we feel immediately like we need to over empathize. Oh yeah, Matt, he drives me nuts too, man. You know, and then we get into a gossip conversation and the, the point behind staying curious and using some of these questions is to just self-manage and make sure I'm taking the time to get what you need from this conversation. I'm taking the time to listen to what the issue really is. And I'm asking enough follow-up questions that what might present itself as the issue, I take the time to actually understand what's really the issue, what's really going on here. I don't think you have to, as a leader, say, okay, great. I think we've we've done our check-in. Let's move into current state. It's it's just a it's a process you as a leader need to keep in mind. Um, so that you can appropriately move through a conversation. And like I said, depending on the issue and your skills as a coach, it can move relatively quickly. I mean, you can do this in a few minutes. Uh, it doesn't have to be a long thing, but it's, it is important to, to, to do these things in a certain order so you can get the best outcome for the client. Yeah, I think that's really helpful and a great way to put it as a as a tool and a resource in the back of the mind instead of a, hey, here's my checklist. I did, okay, checked in, next to current state check. You know, it becomes part of just the conversation. So, uh, you know, I want to move in next to the choices and the consequences. You know, we talked about, okay, cool, we got to the heart of the issue. It's right to light. You know, here's, here's the issue at hand. You know, wh- how do we move into the choices and consequences and what, what does that look like? Well, it really looks like, exploring options. Okay. And I think the biggest thing, Ray, I'll tell you what, Ray and I, when we, when we do coach training, um, what we start choices and consequences with is do not give advice. Do not, we put it like five times in all caps. Like the most important thing here is we are trying to explore what your options are. You're looking for how your client is making sense of this situation. You are also looking for the assumptions that the, well, my, my only choice here is to do this. Really? That's what makes you think that's your only choice. What's the assumption that drives that? Like, man, in choices and consequences, you're really trying to break down assumptions and the role that those are playing and how somebody makes sense of things. And they can see where their self-limiting beliefs are showing up. Um, we're some, uh, you know, and, and, and getting them to unlock some of those not only creates a more powerful individual in this situation, but actually allows them to be more powerful in future situations. Like when you help someone recognize their own assumptions are really them, and over time that practice really can unlock some potential. So in this stage, you know, ask it like, what else can you consider? What might happen? You know, and folks like to jump into, well, you know, if I do this, man, holy, sh- you know, I could end up homeless and vanless and living, by, you know, down by the really, but how did we get there? Like, and what's, what's the best case scenario? And, you know, like really taking the time to explore options from all these different angles and all these different perspectives, like that's the purpose of this. And once you unleash the client and give them the ability to use their creativity, to use their resourcefulness to bring a sense of realism to the possible outcomes, you begin to open them to possibilities they had never considered before. And I think maybe more importantly for you as a leader, things you hadn't considered before either, which is why you don't give advice, right? Ray, what do you think? 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 it couldn't agree more. And it ties into the importance of where we go back to the very first episode of knowing yourself as a coach, because where people go is they, they have this advice monster that shows up in their head. And there's a famous author in coaching that started to talk about this. We've been talking about this for years. It, it's this, it's literally this thing that says, Ooh, I've had this situation, or I know a book you can read, or I have a friend of a friend or my sister-in-law dealt with this. Like you come up with all these things of advice and the hardest thing to do is to check your ego say i don't have to be the one that gives the answer recognize that the value you bring to the table is developing talent not always providing solutions and this goes back to the old adage we always say we want people who bring us solutions not problems as soon as you jump into giving a problem solution you are robbing that person of the opportunity to develop their solution capability you are robbing them. You are, you are stealing that development opportunity from them. So it might not be highly satisfying for them in the moment. They may really want an answer because it relieves a lot of pressure and stress they're feeling right now, but it's okay to recognize that. Listen, seems like you're really having a hard time with this choice and consequence. I get it. Let's talk a little bit more about that as opposed to, uh, let me just give you something I would do because I think I'm rescuing or saving. And it's really more about me, the coach, feeling like I have a solution to give versus what might be most helpful for the client or the person in that situation. We have to be really careful because this is where the, the big money that coaches earn either really or in rewards from coaching come true is how do you handle this part of the conversation? How do you resist the temptation for advice? How do you allow the client to explore answers on their own? And how do you find out how to get them to move forward with that? If they are going completely, every you know, every everyone always takes it to a very black and white issue. I've had leaders who say, "Well, what if they give me the stupidest idea ever, and it's just something I would never do?" Well, say that. Say no. I, I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. Like it. Like I'm not going to allow somebody to explore. But what's the likelihood of them giving you the stupidest idea ever? It's fairly low. Generally, they're going to come up with an idea that's really you know, in line with the amount of knowledge and experience they have. And then that's something we can work off of and build with as opposed to assuming that they're always going to give me the wrong idea and I have to save them by giving the answer. So can't emphasize this enough, allowing them to explore those choices and consequences, allowing them to have some of that openness, allowing them to really experience some of the uncertainty that that brings as they make a decision is developing them as a leader. And it's one of the best things you can do for someone is is really helping them through that process and allowing them to feel your support and your presence without hearing your advice or your answer. You know, so then how does commitment come in? You know, when we start figuring out the choices, we, we explore the consequences, you know, talk about that commitment and what that looks like and then how, you know, how that builds on this process. Yeah, I think commitment is one of those things that, that this is where we like the 5C model. There's another model called Oscar. Whatever model you use, commitment is really what brings it into an organizational hierarchy. So if I've got somebody and I say, okay, here's all these choices and consequences. We've explored two or three things. Now say, great, well, what, what do you think you can get done in the next week? Or, wow, that sounds like a great idea. When can you get me more information on that? Or, wow, it sounds like you're really passionate about choice C. What are the things you can do by the next time we meet that can advance that agenda? What I'm trying to do is enable the person to have some sort of movement and commitment to their idea so they can move forward. We're moving out of analysis and into action. 
And by establishing this, especially within a direct report manager type of relationship, I'm establishing some sort of commitment that's that's moving them forward in a way that's going to produce something. And I can be co-developers with them, right? I can help them along that way. Man, it sounds like you have a lot of passion here. Maybe you should go talk to these people and think of a few more and come back with additional data causes of that decision might be because we might face some challenges if we go that direction that's a it's a great place it's not a very long part of the conversation but it's it's one of the most important parts of the conversation because it establishes action that's going to lead somewhere and and for that person to do and moving that coaching relationship forward you know but and that brings into a point like we talked about last week this idea of tension because tension can live in this commitment spot because you know i've been in many meetings where the ideas are flowing the juices are running everyone's excitement there's this initial you know excitement with a new idea but as you know you explore it as you start unpacking as you start putting you know traction to this idea and you're coming up with a solution sometimes the steam can run out you know you're like oh it was exciting here because we were all like just hype and we're moving but now i'm like you know a week removed and I'm not as excited. So how does an organizational leader, you know, stay within that commitment to kind of continue to keep the the wind and the excitement moving, but also maintain that accountability that, hey, you know, this is what we establish. I want to make sure that we're doing this for, so we can all celebrate the win. Put simply, people love strategy and they don't always love implementation, right? Like we hear that all the time from uh, business leaders and MBA students, and, and that's really the heart of it. Um, you know, what's, what I think is actually interesting, Matt, and, and I, I'm certainly curious about Ray's perspective. Well, this isn't always true. My experience has been that there's a lot of enthusiasm associated with empowerment. And the meetings that you describe typically run out of steam because we do this big brainstorm. We gather all these ideas. And then I, as the leader, decide what we're going to do. And then I tell you what your role is in doing it. And you're right. People lose a lot of enthusiasm in that situation. And they, they often are left to wonder, like, you know, how, like, did that person steer this conversation in the direction that they want them to go? <clears throat> My experience with coaching and why I think it's a more effective leadership tool is at the end of this conversation, you made the commitment, you made the decision, this is your idea. And I'm giving you the authority and the empowerment to go and implement it. Now, my job as your leader is to hold you accountable. So I'm going to ask for your commitment, right? What are you going to do? When are you going to do it by? How am I going to know? What can I do to help you, right? Like we're going to have some checkpoints and accountability and micromanagement are not the same thing because I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm asking you for the milestones and I'm checking in with you. But generally speaking to me, this is one of the benefits of coaching is that you don't lose the enthusiasm because this is their idea. And people are always more passionate about doing their own work than they are about doing the work of others. And so I think generally speaking, you'll avoid that particular situation when you give people the ability to run with their own ideas. Now, as a leader, you need to continue to reward them, right? If it's going well, see it, compliment them, call it out in public, man, Ray, you're doing a great job. I love this. How great was this idea? How great is it? Like, you gotta keep reinforcing it. And the flip side is if, if you made this commitment and I, said, yes, let's do this. And it's not going the way that we thought it would. I cannot pound you for this. This is the heart of saying, we're going to learn from our failure. We're going to learn from our mistakes. I need to reward you for your thoughtfulness. I need to reward you for your hustle. We need to pivot quickly if we see it's not working and I cannot hammer you or it will stop you from ever coming up with your own ideas. So it's a delicate balance, but if you strike it, you will, you will keep that enthusiasm going. 
you know, finally, as we wrap this up, wrap this series up, you know, we have the checkout, you know, so what, what does this, what does this entail? You know, I'm obviously we take everything from the check-in, the current state, the choices and consequences, the commitment, and now we're, we're at this checkout, you know, is, is this just bringing it, bringing it all home? You know, how does this, how does this look within this model? Yeah, I, I think within a coaching conversation, it is merely recognizing that there's a closing to the conversation, right? Hey, what did you understand? What did I understand? How did this go for you? Is there anything you want to do differently in the future? Right, a real just quick, immediate, as Eric talked about earlier, mini after action review on the meeting and, and recognizing that we have a, often have a need for closure that we don't, we don't want to leave it on, you know, something that's not closed out. So it's, it's just that within a conversation. I think within a broader coaching construct, there is an important part of as we're working issues, whether it's an ongoing management relationship or a short-term coaching contract, there is a need for closure as we get to any of these kind of transition points within the relationship, right? And so if I'm ending a coaching relationship, you know, because a contract's up or somebody's moving on to a new manager or a new role, it's really important to say, hey, what, let's let's talk about that. what was good for you in this. What are the what are the things that you know you might have wished for that you got developmentally? What are you hoping for within your new role? And what are you going to do going forward to keep your own development growing and, and building as you as you want to see? And here are some things I think that might be helpful for you to consider as you go forward. Like it's that it's that closure piece that oftentimes gets blown off because it's like, ah, oh, we just move on. Uh, and, and it really is an important component. Uh, of any coaching relationship, be it a formal coach or an informal coach or whatever it might be. Again, this wraps up our four-part series all on coaching. I'm unbelievably honored to have uh, Kelly School of Business Leadership Coaches, Eric Johnson and Ray Luther. Guys, it's been such a fun four weeks and I could not be uh, more excited uh, to, to just spend the time with you guys. Well, thanks for having us, Matt. It's been an honor here too. And we're certainly looking forward to the the webinar and, and getting together in the future. So, uh, but thanks again. Yeah, it's been great, Matt. Again, be sure to check us out April 15th at 4 p.m. We're going to do a live webinar where we're going to answer your questions in real time. You have questions on leadership. You're struggling to grow as a leader. Maybe you just have a tough situation you're working with. We are here to answer. Be sure to follow us on social media at Kelly Indy uh, across all the social media channels. And we will get you as updates through this show as well. Again, April 15th, 4 p.m. live with Ray Luther and Eric Johnson. In the meantime, if you cannot make this event, this will be put out as a podcast as well, but you want to get your question answered, send us your question to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-E-P-U-I dot E-D-U. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.